0: You are dialed into the Success Line podcast,
1: the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is real people getting one-on-one coaching with Success Entrepreneurship
0: editor and New York Times best-selling author Rory Vaden.
1: Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are gonna meet them at the same time. We're gonna have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap, highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Success Line. Today I am joined by a new friend. Her name is Justine. I know virtually nothing about her and I'm going to learn about her just as you do, but we're here to talk about helping her grow her business, uh, grow her impact and um, help her help more people in what she's doing every day as a real life entrepreneur. Uh, So Justine, welcome to the success line. Thank you so much, Rory. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell us just like a little bit about you know, you and um, who you are and where you're from, because you're not from the the uh, US, which is so cool. So we want to know where, where you're at. And then, um, yeah, just a little of your personal background and then a little bit about your business.
0: Sure. So I um, was originally born in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we moved to Australia when I was 11. We literally came from nothing so I had to hustle and grow up from a very young age and mm. it led me into a branding business and advertising so I think I had to get my hustle on and now today what I do is I brand empires for the experience age so in an age of swiping and tapping I put a spotlight on brands and bring them to life online and offline make them look amazing and get attention.
1: Hmm. I love that um and how, so, so how long have you been doing this? So you guys are like a, a, you're like running like a, basically a full service digital agency. Yeah.
0: That's right. Exactly. So anything from like a logo to tagline, to brand website, to product launch, to packaging, like everything. That's pretty much what we do.
1: When did you start the business?
0: It's about seven years old now.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. I know people cannot see you, but I can see you, but you look, you look m- too young to have a company that has been around for seven years old. So that's really, uh, uh it's meant to be a, a, a compliment. And I'm, uh, so you've been doing it for seven years and tell us about your team a little bit. Like, uh, how many people do you have? Are they, are you, you know, have a bunch of employees? Are they more contractors? Are they full-time, part-time, um, give us a give us a and then maybe like a sense of the scope in terms of the size of the business in terms of either revenue or customers or you know something like that.
0: Sure. So we're we're a boutique agency and basically okay. we've got a smaller team because I want to work with the best. So I always say you know it's about the talent and it's about the drive. And I think if you've got a team that is full of drive and passion, then you can do amazing things. So I've kept it small. I've kept it to a level where you know I can control it. And also we work with a lot of boutique clients, so it's, it's not a huge team, but I've done it like that on purpose.
1: Uh huh. And so then you're just like farming out various work for, for for your clients. You're like finding resident experts and, and vendor partners to basically help them get stuff implemented.
0: We, we do what we're good at. And then the stuff that we are not experts in, like, I don't think you can ever be an expert. I think that you've always got to be learning, but in terms of search engine optimization, we've got strategic partners that we work with. Yes.
1: Uh, um, all right. And then, so who is your perfect client? Like who are the kind of clients that you've been serving so far? And um, are they in like an industry or a geographic region or a certain type of company or size of company or a certain stage company? Or is it just kind of like all over the place?
0: Sure. So I, I absolutely love building personal brands. I think that's where we we really shine. So I, I have been working a lot with speakers and also real estate agents like global enterprises. But um, I love making people magnetic. So I think definitely personal brands, you know, people who want to become an icon in the world, leave a legacy. Those are my ideal clients. And we've, we literally, a lot of our work is referral, believe it or not. So, you know, I've I've, it's taken me a long time to get to this point. I've worked really hard to do really great work with my team, but Mm -hmm. those are my ideal clients, the people who want to create impact in the world. So personal brand speakers, um, just iconic people who are amazing.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, well, we're very familiar with that world. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been a professional speaker since I was 17 years old and, and been in the industry myself a long time. So I I know a lot of the folks and I, um, uh, you know, they certainly, we need the help as speakers, authors, small business owners. Uh, you mentioned real estate agents. I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen that a lot of a lot of those type of people struggle with is that their expertise typically far outweighs their brand presence Um, and that like, they're really good at what they do, but their online presence is something that they're more embarrassed of. Um, and so, you know, we, we work with a number of clients who fit that type of a profile and and see that kind of a thing. So, uh, anyway, so this is great. So I I love this. You've been hustling, uh, seven years, you're at it, you're, you're making moves. You're super clear on what you're all all about and up to. So what's your question for the success line or like, what are some of the biggest things that you're focused on right now? Right now,
0: um, I want to know, you know, in in the tough days that you you feel like, because everyone goes through that as an entrepreneur, right? So the the mornings that you are so stressed out that you, because I mean, we're everything, you know, especially when you're starting out a business. Like I remember, I was the doctor, I was the secretary, I was the counselor, I was the psychologist. Uh-huh. Like, what you know, <laughs> what 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 makes you like what makes you tick? What gives you the drive to live another day? <laughs> As an entrepreneur, what keeps you going?
1: Uh-huh. Are you going through a time right now where sometimes you wake up and you're 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 facing some of that stuff?
0: No, so I think it's it's for a lot of the clients that I work with that are starting up, because we get a lot of people who come to us and are like brand us and but they go through those days where they're like, Can I really do this? Like, can I really reach the next level in my career? So it's your question, your answer to my question is actually gonna have domino effect on a lot of people. So I would love mm-hmm. to know that.
1: Do you feel pretty on fire about what you're doing right now? I mean, I, I, like for you personally.
0: I do. I, I absolutely love what I do. Like, but I mean, you, you still, you go through the hard days. Like I'm, I'm very authentic. What you see is what you get, but you do, you go through the days where, you know, you are in the office and the lights go off. And you're like, there's no one else around because that's how you work. But I I do Uh love what I do. I'm extremely passionate and I am, I am on fire with it. Yeah. Well,
1: that's part of why I asked because I, I don't get the sense Justine that you're, that's the real on Like that's not a real question that you're struggling with. You seem to be very on fire about what you're doing. You don't seem like you're struggling with motivation. And I think a lot of it is because you're so aligned in something you know, that you are passionate about. And so you wake up every day and, you know, that's, I think that effectively is the answer to that question is that there's no such thing as an easy road, Um, there's, there's, there's only such a thing as a passionate destination. And if you have a passionate destination, then you're willing to endure the hard road. If you don't have a passionate destination, then you're not going to endure the difficult road. But a lot of people spend time looking for an easy road and it's like, don't waste time looking for the easy road. Uh, spend time figuring out what is your passionate destination and lock in on that. And so I get the sense for you that that's not the real thing that you personally are struggling with, um, or like the biggest challenge. So what do you feel like is the biggest challenge for you personally, like in your business or what are you, or like, what are you most focused? Like what keeps you up at night every day, you know, as an entrepreneur uh, up at night, every day, up at night, every night going, you know, gosh, like this is the, this is the, you know, this is the problem that I need solved.
0: Okay. So I am extremely hard on myself. I'll never ever celebrate my wins ever. I'm always like, okay, what's next? Even when I achieve my goals. So I'm, I'm literally like, I've been told I have to be kinder to myself. So I guess like, how do you do that as an entrepreneur? Cause I am, I'm really tough on myself
1: and you've always been like that always 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 you basically what you're saying is you achieve something and that it's always immediate the next thing and the next thing and the next thing
0: absolutely and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like how big it is or how great it is i'm always like you got to do better like not good enough so That's it's funny. it's like the self talk of like i'm just extremely hard on myself
1: mhm yeah well i i uh, that is something that um, is not all that uncharacteristic, I would say also of ultra performers and high performers. I mean, you know, you look at a Michael Jordan or, you know, somebody like that, and you could take a business example, sports example, they usually push themselves pretty hard. But I think to me, the question I would have for you in that regard, um, is how do you know when you're there? like at what point and i think and, and i'm bringing this up not only cuz i think it's is relevant to you but for me and for everybody is it so easy it's so easy to get trapped into i wake up i hustle i go to work i push i stress i i move i hit a deadline i set a new goal i push i hustle i stress and we don't actually sit back and ever stop for a second to go, how do I, how am I going to know when I'm there or where is there? What, what am I like at what point would I actually grant myself the grace of not having to do that? Or am I okay with, and am I determining that for the future of my life, that's just who I'm going to always be. Um, Have you thought much about that? You know, how do you know when you're there?
0: No, I've never. And how do you know when you're there? How do you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how do you actually know as an entrepreneur when you're there? Because like, I know I've got like, I've got a vision board. I've got huge things I want to do. I want to help like thousands of people. But it's all like, what happens after you do that? So what do you think that moment is? Like, how do you know when you're there? Do you know that you're there? Rory, like do you know
1: yeah so um i think there there is very much different for everybody right so like <laughs> um y- you know each person's definition i think of success is different um but here is a tactical way that i have found uh that works really well for a lot of people and this was something that i did early on okay so um Basically it, and it starts with money just because money is a, 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 concrete mechanism, which we can all understand. Um, right. And, and so it's not about money, but the nice thing about money is it's kind of like, you know, it's very pragmatic. You can wrap your, your mind around it. Whereas something like impact, not only is it harder to kind of understand, it's harder to measure. And, and, and also for most people, like when we want to make impact in the world, it does have, um, no end. Right. It's like, you know, whereas the, the thing that's interesting about money. So, and I, you know, to share a little bit of my story, um, I was raised by a single mom and, uh, I was, I was born, I was born in a, in a trailer park. You know, we, we lived, uh, we never lived on the street, but we were pretty dang close. Um, and, uh, I got into a direct sales company when I was in college Because to me, it represented this idea of being paid what I was worth and being able to be paid for my results was very exciting. I didn't need someone else's permission to say, oh, I was worth a raise or, you know, and I didn't, I didn't come from a family that I could get into an Ivy league university or something. I didn't, I didn't have uncles who were heads of companies or people that were, you know, friends of the family that were right. And so it was like, okay, I need to find something, which is what entrepreneurship is right. Entrepreneurship is the ultimate level playing field. Um, well, It can be, I I guess I wouldn't call it a level playing field. Some people certainly come in with a a set of advantages, but it, it is, it is a place where you can determine your own destiny regardless of where you start. And, um, and I did that and I was really driven by the money for a long time. Um, and you know, I, my wife and I, we were multimillionaires before we were 30 years old. And it was really interesting because, um, we went, I was fifty fifty thousand plus 50,000 plus dollars in debt. And then, um, I went from there in my early twenties to, uh, we, we started our business when she was 22, I was 23 years old. Um, and so we were, you know, pretty well off, certainly by my family's standards and where I grew up by the, before I was 30. And I realized something in my own life and in the life of other people that, money is very motivating when you don't have it. (laughs) Um, But in many cases, you reach a point that money is not that much more motivating Um, that, that, you know, unless you are consumed with the idea of I must have private jets and private islands, and I must own sports teams and countries that Once your house is paid off and you, you know, your cars are paid off and you have no, I mean, once you have no debt, um, I have found that the, it doesn't take that much money to feel quote unquote rich. Most of what feels rich is being able to go to a restaurant and order whatever you want to eat or buy whatever car you want or to, um, you know, go shopping at a store and not really like look at the price tag. And, you know, I remember, I remember my mom having to pump to the penny at the gas station because it was like, she only had a a very, you know, it was like $8 and 37 cents is all she could put in the gas tank for that week. And, you know, so a lot of people, they think of wealth and they think of riches as like, oh, private jets and sports teams and like luxurious. Um, th- but for most of us, it's more of like being able to live our daily life without having to, uh, you know, think about it. And just most of those are not n- certainly not million dollar decisions. Most are not even tens of thousands of dollars decision other than like a, a house, which, you know, is is a big one and a car. But for most of us, our daily life is Uh, you feel more wealthy by being debt free. Mm. Like that has been my experience as you feel more wealthy by being debt free. Sorry. So this is a little bit of a long way around to the answer, but I, I wanted to make sure at least to share in my story, the, the biggest transformation in my personal life was not making more money. It was being debt free. The moment I was debt-free, the pressure of feeling like I had to make more money, the pressure of being like, I have to do this for money. I have to make this sale. I have to work till midnight. I have to like go, 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 go is released. And so the freedom that so many of us are seeking is not the result of uh, of accumulating this massive pile of money. It is the result of breaking free of the shackles of having money going out the door every month to debtors um, and not having any margin because it's all gone. But even if you make $3,000 a month, if you have no debt that 3000 piles on top of itself really, really fast. So um, you know, there's kind of using money to answer your question. There are, there are two key checkpoints financially in life, at least for me and the people that we've profiled, we've studied, we've learned from. So one is what is the shortest distance between now and debt free? Um, Because that changes everything is when you don't owe people money, you can literally do whatever you want. You can buy whatever you want. You can have whatever you want as long as you have the money. Um, and, um, you know, here's another thing. So I, when we started our first company, um, I had a, um, a 2001 Chrysler Sebring with, um, it it was like an old man's car for lack of a better word. <laughs> and, um, y- you know, I drove this thing for 15 years. Uh, well, I, it, it was over 15 years, but I made a decision. The only car I ever wanted that I ever really wanted was a Bentley. That was the only car I ever wanted. You know, every other car it's like there to me, there's Bentleys and then there's everything else. And it's like, who cares? Um, and so, you know, my wife used to even, and my friends used to give me such a hard time because, you know, we have an eight figure business and eight figure in annual revenues. And I'm driving around this 2001 Bentley, like the windshield wipers didn't work. Like the, the, um, one of the windows wouldn't roll up and it, it had a convertible, but like you'd push the automatic convertible and it didn't have enough power to get up. So I had to like manually push it back anyways. <laughs> um, and people are like, why are you doing this? It's because it was like, well, I'm not going to get a new car until I can buy the car I want. And I'm not going to get the car I want until I could pay cash for it. And I literally drove into the Bentley dealership in my Chrysler Sebring. And I literally think they were my 2001 Chrysler Sebring and they had to be gone. There's no way this kid is, is for real. And then, you know, I paid cash for a Bentley. Um, That is
0: the best story. That is one of the best stories I've ever heard. I love that so (laughs) much.
1: Well, it is funny because to me, it, it, you know, that moment represented a big transfer, you know, that, that was about, you know, financially about the biggest and most impossible thing that a kid, um, you know, that came from where I came from could, could think of. It was interesting. A year later, I sold the Bentley. Um, huh. uh, uh, now part of it was because we were having a second child, um, and, a Bentley is not the most optimal place to store two car seats, um, or, um, even, even one other person for that matter. Um, but it was, uh, another thing that happened, which was interesting is that somebody broke into our house. Um, someone broke into our house and, uh, they stole all of my wife's, my, my wife's mom's jewelry. Um, so my, my wife, AJ, who's our CEO, so she died or her, her, not, not my wife, my wife's mom died when AJ was just 15 years old. Um, and she died of cancer. And the only thing that AJ had of her mother's memory was her mom's jewelry and terrible. terrible. And, um, somebody broke into our house and we, we, we have a, we have a pretty awesome house. You can see the, my back, our backyard behind me. Uh, you, in the, the, you know, you 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 can. I'm talking to Justine. You listening? Can't see anything <laughs> on the podcast. Um, thank you, but but um, but we don't have much nice stuff in the house. We're not, you know, other than the car. I, I was convinced that somebody saw us driving around and followed us home to our house, wow. and was convinced that because we had a Bentley in this home, we must have a bunch of nice stuff in the home. We really don't have a lot of nice stuff. Like people make fun of us all the time because of the TV in our living room is also like 15 years old and it's very small. And people are like, why don't you get a nicer TV? We don't watch a ton of TV, but it, I realized that it was like, wow, this thing that I wanted to achieve was now bringing me negative attention that no. I, that I wasn't interested in. And it might've cost my wife, the only real connection that she had with her mom who died when she was 15 years old. And it was like, I don't want this anymore. Um, so I say all that to say the first check Mark to me is being debt free, being debt free changes everything. Being debt free, at least for me, Will create, and for several of our clients that we have coached, will create more of a feeling of wealth than just accumulating more money. The second one is to find your number, Justine. So we call this finding your number. So what does this mean? So this is actually an exercise that you could do. We could we could do this. Um, well, we probably can't do it live right now. But but what you do is you go in order to retire in style, like the way that I would want to retire, you go, here's the car I'd want to drive. Here's how much, what you do is you create a budget. So you know how, like most people who create a budget, they, um, they, they create a budget for today like basically based on, you know, here's how much money I'm making. And that's a good practice. That's a good practice. And certainly for an entrepreneur like you, you, to scale a business, you should be running a budget every year and you need to have a process every fall where you create a budget for next year. But what almost nobody does is create a future budget, like a dream budget to go If I were living my, my perfect life, this is the same mistake people make with their schedule. People make a schedule. We're big fans of schedules, like plan out your week and blah, 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 blah. Fine. That's all great. But what almost nobody does is create a dream schedule of what do I want my perfect life to look like? That's very different than what does my look, my life need to look like next week. Um, So you you do the same thing here with your budget as you go, all right how much money would I literally spend every month? Like to where money was no object for me. I could go out to eat as much as I wanted. Um, you know, I would have some house that I would want. Um, and if the house were paid off, then it wouldn't even matter as long as the house was paid off. It's like, okay. And what you, 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 you do is you map this out and you go, okay, like, here's my number. Here is the, 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 the monthly expenses that I would incur if I had, um, if I had, um, my, my ideal life. Um, and typically the biggest part of that would be a mortgage payment, a house. Right. And if you, you know, if you really have like lavish taste and you want multiple properties, you would have it. And of course there's people who do real estate and real estate investing that would say, well, you should have debt for your house and debt for something. That's fine. Like what, you know, you know, take take the house you know aside in in but it for me I was like okay we're going to have a paid for house um and then it's like you come up with all these things and you'll be shocked it's not as much as you think uh, for example $20,000 a month in expenses is a pretty friggin luxurious lifestyle <laughs> um and that's that is only I'll say only which I know f- it's all a frame of reference um but but 200 that's $240,000 a year all right so that would mean gosh at $240,000 a year i could you know it's like your dream life now for you it might be a million dollars a year for someone it might be $50,000 a year for someone it might be 5 million dollars a year the point is most of us are running a race and we have no idea where the finish line is And so we get up and we just push and stress and we don't even know. It's like, we're chasing something. We don't even know what it is. So take the time to sit down and define what that is and go, gosh, my ideal lifestyle would be this. Um, Sometimes when people do this, they actually realize that they're there and they could, they could totally live a different lifestyle. Um, Now, if you love working and stuff, I'm a big fan of, of, of working, right? Like I do all this stuff for success. And it's like, I love this, um, but, but it's knowing what your number is. And then specifically, so here's the real kicker. So let's, let's just say, um, so, so I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what mine was. Okay. My, 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 uh, well, let me, let me, let me not do that. Let me give you, let me just give you a general example here. Let's say it was a million dollars a year. All right. If you wanted to live a, a lifestyle and go, I want to make a million dollars a year. Then the key is to go, how much money do I have to have invested to where the, my investments throw off enough in interest that they cover all my lifestyle expenses? So that's a way of thinking about it is to go, all right, just, I'm using this for rough math. Let's say it was a million dollars a year. Well, that means if you had $10 million invested and you could get 10%, a 10 average, a 10% return on that 10 million every year, then the 10 million invested would throw off a million dollars a year, which means you have retired yourself. Like you have enough money coming and, and there's other forms of income. It could be, you know, real estate income. It could be royalty income. You know, a lot of what we do at brand builders groups, we help you know, people get book deals and, you know, information products and stuff like that. Um, it could be, you know, passive income, like, you know, direct sales or something, or it could be investment income. Um, so you have a pile of money either invested or you have these streams coming off. And once they equal the amount that, um, it would take to retire yourself, then you're, then you are effectively done. You have retired yourself. Um, And so, but, but if it's only, if it only, again, for some people, it's, let's say it was, say it was 200 and say it was 20,000 a month. Okay. So that's 240,000 a year. That means you go, okay, I could live pretty happily on $20,000 a month, $240,000 a year. If I could get a 10% rate of return, then that means I would, I would only need two and a half million dollars invested. $2.5 Two and a half million at ten percent would throw off two hundred and fifty thousand a year, which would cover all of my expenses if I had a twenty thousand dollar a month lifestyle. And so you go, wow, what would it take to get two and a half million invested? So it it does a couple things. It it creates, it gives you a target, like it it creates a finish line versus just I'm running on a hamster wheel. I don't really know why. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just running. I'm literally just running. And and I think a lot of times people think they're burnt out and it's not that they're burnt out. It's that there's a hopelessness that comes when you're running and you don't have any idea for how much longer do you have to run at this pace? And they're not realizing that you're in control of your own life and sitting down in any moment going, let me figure this out. Like how much money do I really need? And nobody does it. And it's like, it's a, this doesn't take a year to do it. Like you can do it in an hour and you go like, how much would I, what kind of car would I drive? And either it would be paid for, or if, you know, if you're not a debt-free person, if you go, okay, it would cost this much. And then what kind of house would I live for in? And it would cost this much. And then I want to go out to eat and it would be this much. And you create your dream budget there's not the budget that you're going to live on like this month. That's a different, that's a normal budget. This is a dream budget. And you go, okay, here's what my monthly nut would have to be. And then just using rough math, if you were to divide that by 10, whatever. So if it's, you know, 20,000 a month, you know, take your monthly number, multiply that by 12, that'll give you your your yearly number. So that's what I kind of did. 20,000 a month times 10 months or times 12 months is 240,000. For the year, I rounded up to 250. So that's $250,000 a year in expenses. If you divide that by 10%, that gives you your number, two and a half million, which is the number you need to have invested. And then it's throwing off, assuming you could get 10%, which is in some ways a big assumption. In other ways, not that big of an assumption over the course of time. And now you go, I got to get $2.5 million invested. So one, it, it, it gives you a target. Now you're not just sprinting with no destination. And, and a lot of people work very frenetically. They're just kind of like going everywhere all the time as fast as possible, but it's unfocused. Um, and when you have diluted focus... You get diluted results. Hmm. Love that. But when you say I'm going after this number, the clarity and the focus is power. And so when you, you sprint after that number now it's really weird because you might actually um, it might be a different story because you might actually end up working harder in the short term because you go, now you're working towards something. The other thing is that people often make sacrifices. You go, you know what? I could drive the Sebring for a couple more years rather than upgrading to uh, whatever, a Lexus. I'm going to drive my Sebring for a couple more years because if I drive my Sebring for another five years, then I can have my Bentley debt-free. And so it causes you to work in a more focused way and it causes you to, um, you know, to make, you might make certain sacrifices. Basically, it causes you to make more informed decisions. But in absence of clarity in the future, it's hard to make a definitive decision with a specific intention and to create a strategy. It's like, we can't create a strategy with no end goal in mind. Um, And most people don't. And even most business owners, Most business owners, if you're lucky, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say, I bet you only, I bet only 30% of small business owners. So let's say, let's say less than a million dollars a year in revenue. I bet only 30% of them even create a budget for one, a one year budget. Now, the more your company grows, the more disciplined you get in your financial practices, And so the more sophisticated companies end up planning a three-year budget, a five-year budget, a 10-year budget. Toyota was famous for a 50-year. They had a 50-year plan. This is what ultra performers do, but most people do not. And most people don't allow themselves the ability to dream out there in the future. They either would rather just be lazy in the present or what I would submit is in some ways an equal indulgence which is to be a workaholic in the present because they don't have to think you're just running, just sprinting everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the, those are the two, those are the two check, the first two checkpoints getting debt free and then knowing what's your number. This would be like your retirement number. So I would encourage you to, to, to create a plan for those, those two things. Um, do you think you could do that?
0: Absolutely. I think that was amazing. And I think so many people are going to benefit from that. And that Bentley story was hilarious. (laughs) You're the best. How did it feel though? Like when you actually, like, I want to know what was that feeling like, because you had worked so hard and you had this plan, but like when you actually bought it and you drove out of the dealership, how did that feel for you? It
1: was really wonderful. Um, there's, there's been a few moments in my life that have been really, really magnificent finding out that, uh, we hit number two on the New York times bestseller list was one of those moments. Um, I came in second at the world championship of public speaking when I was 23, that was more of a bittersweet moment. Cause I was really focused on winning and I thought I, I actually thought I had won. Um, it was really, really close. Um, but that was still a really great moment, you know, mm. certainly moving into our house. But, but here's what I would say. Every, almost every one of those moments trails off over time. And I'll say this, the thrill of buying the Bentley, which was a wonderful feeling. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with nice things. But I can definitely say it paled in comparison to the guilt I felt and, and, and I don't know if guilt's the right word, but to the hurt that I felt that even in s- some way it might have led to my, my wife lose, losing her mother's jewelry, knowing we'll never get that back. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, I, there were a number of circumstances going on in terms of like why I sold it, but, but it was really re- realizing, you know, The car, you know, you you often put so, so much stake in this possession or this title, which in some ways I think is really good because it causes you to strive and have something to shoot for and like aim for is really, you know, I think those are, those are good things. Um, But, you know, this is what I think it would bring us around to. And this, this is what I would say is the third checkpoint. uh, You know, I said, there's two, one is get debt free two is figure out your, your number. Um, the third checkpoint is when you truly get to the place where you realize another dollar and another possession is not going to bring you more peace or happiness. It really does happen like uh, I know that some of you are like, um, try me, right? Like you just want to make money. You're like, oh yeah, just try me. Like the people say money doesn't equal <laughs> happiness and you're like, try me. <laughs> um, and there's, there's really wonderful things. But I, I'll, I, I'll tell you this, I'm, we are far, far, far from you know, any, being one of the world's wealthiest people in the world, but we know a lot of the world's wealthiest people. Um, we, actually, we actually know several billionaires and uh, the billionaires that are the happiest are the ones who are not paying attention to the money. They're doing it for fun. They're doing it for impact. They're doing it to to make the world a better place. And there's nothing like the feeling you get when you serve another person. I agree. It's the deepest, richest feeling. and, And when you become, when you get clear on that and you go, wow. Another dollar in your bank account isn't actually gonna make you feel much different. But if you can help someone, if you can impact someone, if you can serve someone, if you can love on someone, especially in one of their moments of need, that is an incredible feeling. And what's wild about it is, even though I have that as the third checkpoint, that one is one that's immediately available to all of us in any (laughs) moment regardless of our, our financial situation, because it's not a money marker. It's, it's, it's a spiritual maturity and an emotional maturity. For me, I was immature and very self-centered and it took years of doing that and accomplishing thing after thing after thing before I realized, Oh my gosh, none of these things are ever going to get me to the feeling, but what will get me to that feeling is helping the person standing next to me. And the more that I focus on helping them, the more my insecurities and fears go away. The more I focus on serving other people and, and the more I make uh, their, the more I shift my focus to their worries, the less I'm focusing on my own. And that, checkpoint is immediately available to all of us as a, an immediate source of true lasting satisfaction and yet at the same time something that you never get enough of but it has nothing to do with money or greed or immaturity or self-centeredness it's actually extra, a very high level of emotional maturity and you yeah, know that's the thing i'm still striving for and you know i think all of us should be striving for
0: Amazing. It's like, it's been amazing speaking with you. You've just got like, you know, it's, it's different speaking to someone who's actually lived and breathed it and who's come from nothing. Like you can tell the difference because it's a different type of fire and it's like embedded in your soul. But on another note, like how do you find your your why? Because like we've spoken about the you know what happens when you get there. So like how do you define your why? Because you see so many people like even at points with me right like I my why has changed throughout my career. So like how do you define your why when you're building a company or just in life?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think it's very tied into this conversation, right? Like my why was achieving these things to prove to myself I was worth it. Um, you know, kids made fun of me because I wore sweatpants to school and I had a shaved head because it was like, we couldn't afford a haircut. Right. So it was just, you know, I wanted air Jordans. I got air Jordash, um, as I always say. And like, you know, and I think part of it was like, that drove me to be out of deep insecurity. And so, and then you accomplish something. And so it's like, it's the next thing. It's the next thing. It's the next thing. And one day you wake up and you go, man, if, if, if nothing thus far has made me has satisfied that, um, you know, what, what is going to, and, you know, for me, there's two things. One, I think is being grounded spiritually and a relationship you know, getting all that figured out, you know, for me, I'm a, for me, I am very clear on, you know, Christianity and that my identity is not in my, what I do, but who I am, which is that I'm a child of God. And just like my kids could never do anything. They, my kids could never achieve anything to make me love them more. And if they failed, it would never make me love them less. There's also nothing my kids could ever give me that I want. And, uh, there's nothing that they could take away from me that I wouldn't willingly give them. And, uh, you know, at least, you know, for me, the Bible describes God as a father. And so when I became a father, I really understood that like, Whoa, like, you know, that is my identity solely in the fact that I am his, just like, I get it now. Cause it's like, I don't want anything from my kids. They don't, I'm proud of them and I'm disappointed in them, but I always love them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that parallel helped me kind of connect, you know, above and being like, Whoa, he, you know, God says he feels the same way about me. That's pretty cool. And then the other, the other, the other thing is I think people get caught up and they ask the wrong question. They say, what's my purpose. Um, and, and I used, you know, I say that what's my purpose. What's my, my, um, Um, and I think that's the wrong question. Actually, if you ask what's my purpose, you're constantly going to be spinning, trying to find it. And, and I used to do that because as I mentioned, I was very self-centered, not selfish, right? But self-centered, meaning the world revolves around me. If you're seeking purpose, if you're seeking happiness, I don't think the best question is to say, what is my purpose or what will make me happy? I think the best question to ask is how can I help? who can I help? How can I be useful? As you focus on answering those, you'll find purpose and happiness, but it's in the context of your life in the relationship to others, not something that you find just in, in, in context to your own, your own life.
0: I love it. So amazing. Justine, awesome. Yeah, you. you are
1: you are awesome. Uh, I went on a bunch of rants to your your no, your questions.
0: Incredible! I'm fired up today. Thank you so much, Ori.
1: Yeah, well, I'm fired up, uh, girl. You got the fire. You, I can see you. You've got the <laughs> hustle. You've got everything it takes to be successful and to achieve. You're already doing it. I think you know. My advice to you would be: don't get so consumed and lost in it that you it takes you as long to wake up as it took me to, and, and I'm not saying you're not, but just holding on to the idea that if you're, if you're helping other people, you're already there. And if you just focus on serving other people and you're just doing that, like it's the, it's like the richest reward that, that life has to offer.
0: You know, why I love you Rory because I think like our backgrounds are very similar. And so I really resonate with you. So I can't wait to share this with people. Like, what an amazing interview. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Our pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much, (laughs) Justine. We wish you the best.
0: Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you.
1: Well, that conversation with Justine went in such a different direction than I originally anticipated it, but going in, but what a great conversation and what what meaningful discussion. And so as I look back on that and I think about, all right, what are the big takeaways here? I think I would summarize that entire conversation as just being clear on the three most important financial checkpoints in your life. These are the three most important financial checkpoints in your life. And the first is becoming debt free. Feeling rich, at least for me and most of the people I know that have been through this, feeling rich happens more as a byproduct of being debt free than it does as a result of accumulating more and more money. Being feeling rich happens more as a byproduct of being debt free than it, it does as a result of accumulating more and more money. In fact, for for most of the people that I know that are, you know, very wealthy, uh, w- there comes a a point not in the typically in the not too distant future, once they are debt free, that they don't really keep track of money all that closely. I mean, they, they do, they've got processes and teams and systems and, and things. It's not like they're, they're not, you know, they're not organized about it, but it's not something they're consumed with. It's because it's not the source of happiness, right? Like the number on the page is just a number on a page and whether there's, you know, seven, six zeros or five zeros or six zeros or seven zeros or eight zeros, like literally how is it going to make you, you feel more different. And, and, and in in some regards, there's really great things that come with having wealth. And there's, there's a lot of goals financially that we still have that we are aspiring towards and working towards. But the majority of that feeling and the, the majority of that freedom that we desire and, and that, that hope of just not stressing about money is available much sooner than we realize. It's not about being a multi-millionaire or a billionaire or a hundred millionaire. It's like when you're debt-free, you're free of that stress, you're free of that weight, you're free of the, the bonds, that captivity of of just feeling like, oh, I'll never catch up. I'll catch up, I'm always behind. So that is a huge checkpoint in your financial journey. The second most important checkpoint is you're... Uh, retirement invested number, you know your invested number, and you know we talk through that mathematics of going. Okay, how much do I really need to pay my living expenses once I'm retired without ever tapping in uh, to the principal? Right, if if I can just have an if if I can have enough principal invested to where I can live off of the interest, and the interest can give me a livable lifestyle that I'm feel comfortable with. Then you can live forever and never run out of money, and never have to work again because you've got steady income coming in through, um, you know, the the asset distribution, the the, the payouts, or the uh, the interest off of your investments, and that's a really great place to be. And it, and it's not about how much. The the answer to how much is the right amount totally depends on you and what you want and what kind of lifestyle you need to have and how much debt you're going to have when you get there. I mean, if you don't have any debt when you get there, gosh, it's it's like you could actually reach that point a lot sooner than most people realize. I mean, I think the the mindset, the mentality for so many people, and especially the older generations, was like, I'll work till I'm 65 and then the government will take care of me, right? And the mindset of the entrepreneur is like, I'll work till I get this, this amount invested and then I'll take care of myself. And it runs, it never runs out. It'll go, it'll go forever. And if you love what you're doing, you're going to keep working anyways and you're going to have fun, but you're not doing it because you have to, you're not doing it because of that stress and you're not just doing it indefinitely, which is, which is my worry and my fear. Um, you know, for the the hustle culture, I I'm a fan of the hustle culture. I am a I am the the guy who wrote the book. Take the stairs. I believe in discipline. I believe in hard work, but I don't I don't believe in it being the only thing that it's the end all be all and that it should go indefinitely. It should not. It, it it's there's you have to make short term sacrifices so that you can have. Long-term gains, but it doesn't mean that your life should be a chaotic sprint all the time, constantly, for the rest of your life. Right? That's not life. Like that's just work. So know your number, and and having that goal will give you endurance because you'll be like, okay, I, I see this. It'll also help you create a strategy because you'll be able to reverse engineer and back in from there and go, oh, okay. You start making decisions differently about your time, your resources, um, about your relationships because. You're, 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 you have intention, you have a plan. You're not just running on this endless treadmill for no reason. And then the third you know, key takeaway, which I think is the most important all, of all, and the, the third most important financial checkpoint in your life is realizing the power of infinite service. It's realizing that, look, n- no, no amount of money is ever going to give you fulfillment. No amount of achievements are going to suddenly make you feel worthy. And no amount of possessions are, are going to eventually give your life meaning. Purpose comes not from saying, what is my purpose? It comes from asking, how can I help? And, and that feeling is rich, it's deep, it's, it's valuable, it's lasting, it's significant. Um, and the most exciting thing of all is it's immediately available to all of us, regardless of how much money we have made. And so when you get to that moment in your life, it's, it's a financial checkpoint, but it actually has nothing to do with a dollar amount. It's really a level of emotional maturity of 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 spiritual uh, um, maturity, spiritual centeredness is realizing that, you know what, the shortest path to most of the feelings that I seek, happiness, joy, satisfaction, contentment, fulfillment, the shortest path to those things is when I help another person. And by helping another person, I get to experience all those things, regardless of how much money I have in my account or what my job title is, or what kind of car I drive, or what kind of house I live in. So go out and serve. Embrace that now. I'm not saying don't work hard, and I'm not saying you shouldn't make a lot of money. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying that money is not going to be the source of of meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in your life long term, but service will be. Helping others will be, supporting others, encouraging others, putting your life in the context of helping the people around you will be. And that's something that you can do immediately, right now, today, in addition to working hard and saving money and getting debt free and investing. So do both, but know that the end game is all about service. If you would like to appear on the success line, head to success.com slash success line to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate review. And most of all, tell your friends, this has been a success podcast, head to success.com slash podcast to hear more. Just like it.